This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 11. And, and while you're turning there, let me just say that the, the video that you saw right before this last song, uh, that is going to be posted to our Facebook page. We would encourage you to, to share that as much as you can. Just an amazing message there. So you will find that uh, posted there this afternoon. Mark chapter 11. I'm so glad that uh, you are here today, and I hope that you felt God's presence, and I know we have some guests, and anytime you go to a, a different church, everything's different, it's, it's too loud or too soft or too different or whatever, but I hope that you've been able to just kind of sort through everything and, and really feel God's presence here today, because He is, he is here. Many years ago, a young farm boy was coming home from school and saw some men putting up a poster on a fence. And, he hung around until they finished putting up the sign and, and read that a real live circus was coming to town. This was big news back then. And, and the boy rushed home and told his, told his father about it and asked if he could go. And, and they really couldn't afford it. The family is poor. But the father said, I want you to go and I want to find a way to make it possible. The day of the circus came and the boy hurriedly finished his farm chores the dad gave him enough money to be able to buy a ticket and told him to go have a good time. Uh, when the boy got to town, he saw a crowd of people standing on e either side of the road and his heart skipped a beat as he heard the noise and then saw the band that led the circus parade down the road. And next came the trapeze artists and, and then the animals. Some were in cages. Others were just led along by their trainers. But little by little, all of the different people involved in the circus came by. And then at the very end of the parade was the clown. He had the traditional painted face. He had the big nose, big ears, floppy shoes. He had the crowd laughing as he walked by. When the clown was about past that young boy, he ran out to him and surprised the clown. But he handed him the money that his dad had handed him, given to him. And, and the clown looked a little bit surprised, didn't know what to do, kept the money and kept on walking and... That boy watched him as long as he could until he disappeared down the street. He could hardly contain his excitement. Uh, as he ran home, satisfied that he had finally gotten to see the circus. But the truth was that he had not seen the circus. He had only seen the parade. He missed out on the real thing. Now, when it comes to this Easter season, this is what I'm afraid will happen to many people. They will see the parade. And in other words, they will see all of the different activities around Easter. They, they will uh, see the Easter egg hunts, the, the, the chocolate Easter bunnies. They will enjoy family coming to town. They will celebrate what we're doing today, remembering Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And, and then next week in record numbers, churches across the world will be full to overflowing as... As they celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yet many people will go home. Having failed to truly experience Easter. Now as we've already heard several times so far. Today is Palm Sunday. And on this day 1985 years ago or, or, or so. Between 100,000 scholars say between 100,000. Possibly up to 200,000 people gathered. And, and laid down palm branches and articles of clothing in front of Jesus. And they, they shouted Hosanna, Hosanna. As 
Jesus made his way to Jerusalem. They believed that Christ was finally getting ready to set up his earthly throne. But today is also known something else besides Palm Sunday. And this is something that the church doesn't emphasize nearly as much because it's not as pleasant. It's not as happy. But today is also known as Passion Sunday because it launches us into Passion Week. And the emphasis of Passion Sunday provides a different perspective than Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday emphasizes the celebratory parade, the hallelujahs, the hosannas. But Passion Sunday tempers that excitement because this parade would end up being nothing more than an early funeral procession. Five days after this grand parade, Jesus would be dead. And so to do justice... To this day, we must balance Palm Sunday with Passion Sunday. And and we must remember that within the excitement of Palm Sunday was also the reality of Passion Sunday that would ultimately lead to the death of our Savior. Now today I want to uh, speak uh, fairly briefly, if that's possible, if you believe me there, because we want to partake of the Lord's Supper. But for a few moments, I want to look at the topic. It's Sunday, but Monday's a-coming. And, and of course, this is a spinoff of that great sermon that Dr. Tony Campolo preached. It's Friday, but Sunday's a-coming. And, and, and I love Tony's sermon. If, if you haven't heard it, you need to listen to it. Here are just a few excerpts from that great sermon. Just prepare to be blessed. It's Friday. Jesus is arrested in the garden where he was praying, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are hiding and Peter's denying that he knows the Lord, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is standing before the high priest of Israel, silent as a lamb, before the slaughter, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is beaten, mocked, and spit upon But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Those Roman soldiers are flogging our Lord with a leather scourge that has bits of bones and glass and metal tearing at his flesh. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The the Son of Man stands firm as they press the crown of thorns down into his brow. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See him walking to Calvary, the blood dripping from his body. See the cross crashing down on his back as he stumbles beneath the load. It's Friday, but Sunday's a-coming. It's Friday. See those Roman soldiers driving the nails into the feet and the hands of my Lord. Hear my Jesus cry, Father, forgive them. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is hanging on the cross, bloody and dying. But Sunday's a coming. (laughs) It's Friday. The sky grows dark. The earth begins to tremble. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. And holy God pours out his wrath on that perfect sacrificial lamb who cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. And at that moment of Jesus' death, a veil in the temple that separate sinful man from holy a holy god was torn from the top to the bottom because sunday's coming it's friday 
Jesus is hanging on the cross. Heaven is weeping. Hell is partying. But that's because it's Friday. And they don't know it. But Sundays are coming. And on that horrible day, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus the Christ, the, the Lord of glory, the only begotten Son of God, the only perfect man, died on the cross of Calvary. Satan thought he had won the victory. Surely he had destroyed the Son of God. Finally, he had disproved the prophecy God had uttered in the garden. And the one who was to crush his head had been destroyed. But that was Friday. Now it's Sunday. And just about dawn on that first day of the week, there was a great earthquake. But that wasn't the only thing that was shaken because now it's Sunday. And the angel of the Lord is coming down out of heaven, rolling the stone away from the door of the tomb. Yes, it's Sunday. And the angel of the Lord is sitting on that stone and the guards posted at the tomb to keep the body from disappearing were shaking in their boots because it's Sunday. And the lamb that was silent before the slaughter is now the resurrected lion from the tribe of Judah. For he is not here. The angel says he is risen indeed. It's Sunday. And the crucified and resurrected Christ has defeated death, hell, sin, and the grave. It's Sunday. And now everything has changed. It's the age of grace. God's grace poured out on all who would look to that crucified Lamb of Calvary. Grace freely given to all who would believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, was buried, and rose again. All because it's Sunday. And you know, at the end of the message, Dr. Tony Campolo, he shouts out, It's Friday! And, and the whole congregation responds, But Sundays are coming. Can we do that here this morning? Let's, let's try it. Your line is, But Sundays are coming. My line is, It's Friday, okay? It's Friday! Sunday's coming. Wow, what an amazing thought. Wow. Man, we could just go all home and... But we're not going to. <laughs> and I don't want to just rain on our parade here. But unfortunately, our theme doesn't have the excitement of it's Friday. But Sundays are coming. Rather, it has a much more sobering effect. As we look at it's, it's Sunday, but Mondays are coming. And we will be focusing our thoughts on what took place on that Monday after Palm Sunday. Or that Monday after Passion Sunday. Let's just... Still our hearts. Father, you've laid this uh, truth on my heart this morning. and Help me to get it out. Help me to say everything I need to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Just give us your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get into our lesson, understand the Palm Sunday parade is over. It's been an amazing day. Outwardly, it was probably the greatest day of support for Jesus ever. But now it's afternoon. The people are on their way home. And let's pick up our reading. Mark chapter 11, verse 11 reads like this. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. He looked around carefully at everything. And let me just stop a moment here. Right after the Palm Sunday parade ended, Jesus walked the short distance to the temple and and the Bible says he spent a little bit of time looking around. And, you know, I've tried to imagine what Jesus did as he looked around. I kind of wondered if he was doing what I do when I come into church early Sunday morning. And I make sure that uh, everything is in order and make sure that no lights are burned out. Uh, 
I make sure that the sound system is working, that my mic is working, the batteries are good in my mic, and, and then I just kind of walk around and, and pray for God to do a wonderful work. So maybe that's what Jesus was doing. I don't know. But let's continue reading. Looked around carefully at everything. And then he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he went out to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Now, Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem. And, and that would have been considered a long walk for most of us. You know, most of us, we don't like to walk. Um, let, let me digress just a little bit here. Um. I get amused at, at us as Americans. I, I get amused at us when we come to church. Um, we all try to get the, park, the closest parking place. And, you know, we come in and we see somebody coming from the other direction and we spot a parking place and it's like, yay, here's a closed parking place. Grab it before somebody else does. Anybody guilty here? Anybody need to come forward and pray? And uh and, you know, we, we do that for everything else. You know, I, I have to make a confession, and uh, not, not here at the church, but, I, you know, I tell my staff members, once you become a staff member here, you lose all of your parking privileges and you park on the back 40. But when I go someplace else, um, I try to find the closest parking place. And th- this is what is absolutely crazy. I go to the YMCA every, every week to play racquetball. They're, they're in Nevada. And you know why I go. I go for exercise. But, but but this is what's crazy. Sometimes they have kid stuff going on. That place will be packed. And uh, so the closed parking places will be taken. Plenty of parking farther away. But here's what I do. I've gone to get exercise, but I will drive around a couple of times hoping that somebody will leave so I don't have to walk an extra 20 steps. And the whole reason I'm going is for exercise. I mean, it, it, it's nuts. And, and that's the way we are. And, but, but here in our lesson, Jesus and his disciples had had a full day. But yet they had to walk the two miles to Bethany where they would spend the night. Well, the next day, Monday morning, two very significant events took place. And those events will provide the backdrop for our lesson. The first Monday event is centered around the fig tree. And there in your sermon notes, write down that this was a lesson in bearing fruit. Now, Jesus and his disciples got up Monday morning after after Palm Sunday. And they decided to head back to Jerusalem. And, And on the way out of town, the Bible says that Jesus was hungry. Evidently, they didn't have a chance to grab anything for breakfast. And and so, again, let's pick up our reading in verse 12, Mark chapter 11. The next morning, Monday after Passion Sunday or Palm Sunday, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus felt hungry he noticed a fig tree a little way off that was a little way off that was in full leaf so he went over to see if he could find any figs on it but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit then jesus said to the tree may no one ever eat your fruit again and the disciples heard him say it now let me just stop here and say that if you're a tree hugger bless your heart uh but you don't need to feel too sorry for for the fig tree. I mean, killing one fig tree to teach a spiritual lesson did not hurt the ecology of the land. Rather, if you want to feel sorry for a tree, save your sympathy for the tree that the Romans used to fashion a cross upon which our Christ would be crucified. But that's another topic for another day. But back to the fig tree. In that part of the world, fig trees usually bore figs twice a year. Now, I lived in Arkansas for a time and And we actually had fig trees in our backyard. It was kind of cool. 
but they would just bear a crop once a year. Uh, but in Israel, you could count on fig trees producing two crops of figs each year. And on the protected side of Mount of Olives, where Christ was at that moment, they said it would not be unusual for the trees to leaf out in the month of March, even though the fruit would probably not fully ripen for, for a couple of mo- more months. Well, when Jesus arrived and looked at the tree, he looked for figs because the Bible said that it was in full leaf, but he found none. Why? Because it was too early. It wasn't time. Now, the question I I, want to ask you here, and and I've struggled with this story most of my life until just recently. I I, kind of got some understanding here, some insight. But why was Jesus so upset at this fig tree? I mean, really, when you think about it, the fig tree was just following the laws of nature that God had established. So why did God curse and kill this fig tree? Well, for you Bible scholars, the the deep and the scholarly answer is that this was, in a sense, a foretelling and prophecy of what would eventually happen to Jerusalem. But instead of giving the scholarly answer, let let, let me give you some down-to-earth insight as to why I believe Jesus was so upset that this tree had not produced fruit. And, and, and I was meditating and praying, God, I need to understand this. I need some insight. It's just kind of like it jumped out at me. One of the reasons that I believe this barren fig tree upset Christ so much is because very possibly what had happened at the Palm Sunday parade was still on his mind. And I need you to track them here. Outwardly, the Palm Sunday Parade was fabulous. There were a lot of people, up to 200,000 people. Uh, You would have think that Jesus would have come out of that Sunday feeling pretty good about things. You know, when we have a good Sunday here at the church, when people are engaged, the Spirit of the Lord is here, and and our numbers are decent, I I leave the church feeling pretty good. And, And you would think that Jesus would have felt pretty good about that Sunday. The numbers were good. The people were engaged. They were excited. It appeared to be a good day in the Lord. But the Palm Sunday Parade hadn't left Jesus on a high. And and probably the biggest reason was because Jesus looked beyond the Hosannas. He looked beyond those shouting His name. and, And He looked into their hearts. And when He looked into their hearts, what He saw troubled Him. Because He saw people who wanted a king to save them from the Romans, but they didn't want a king to save them from their sins. And I believe that Jesus was troubled as he understood that that whole Palm Sunday parade was meaningless. And therefore, that Monday morning, as Jesus came upon that fig tree that was in full leaf, I wonder if Jesus wasn't reminded of the crowd that looked so good on the outside, but on the inside, he knew that there was no fruit. And I believe we need to be reminded from this fig tree that God is able to see who we really are. He's able to look past the smile. He looks past the pretending. He knows if there's unforgiveness in our hearts. He knows if there's phoniness, hypocrisy, pride. And did you know that God isn't fooled by the raising of our hands in praise and worship? He's not fooled when we shout amen, even though I believe that God is pleased with... uh, those expressions of praise. But don't forget that He sees into our heart. 
He sees if our walk matches our talk. He sees if there's fruit in our lives. And amens and hand-raising and other expressions of praise, they do not impress Jesus Christ if there's sin in our lives. Well, the next incident that took place on this same Monday was the temple cleansing. And there in your sermon note, right, this is a lesson on the commercializing of Christianity. And let's read about this incident. And remember, this is still on Monday after Palm Sunday, picking up our reading with verse 15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the merchants and their customers. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from bringing in merchandise. He taught them the scriptures declare, My temple will be called a place of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. So the temple that was to be a place of worship had become the center of commerce. In fact, the temple activities had become so commercialized that very little worship actually took place at the temple. It would be like coming into church here and just hanging out in the foyer and talking. Just totally missing the real reason that we should come to church, and that is to worship Jesus Christ, but just chatting out there, talking about business deals. And again, I wonder if Jesus wasn't still thinking about the events that had taken place the day before at the parade. And as he walked into the house of God, it hit him again. There was a lot of noise there and there was a lot of activity, a lot of busyness. But in that noise and in that activity was little substance. Now, I don't want to put everybody in in, in this category, but I fear that our Christianity in America has become commercialized. And instead of Christianity being evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, it seems that many times the only evidence of Christianity in our lives is found in our symbols. Let me explain this. You know, today there are more Christian artifacts and more Christian symbols than ever before. You know, from the scripture bracelets that we wear around our wrists to angel pendants to crosses around our necks or in our homes. And not too long ago, I was in somebody's house and they don't go to church anywhere and they would never probably be considered godly people. But I happened to start counting and they had, I don't remember now, it's two to three dozen crosses in their home. We even tattoo crosses on our bodies. And, and one proud father who didn't take his son to church said, well, my son... He even put a decal of a cross on his car. And, and I'm not against any of that. I, 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 I'm not saying that is wrong. But sometimes I fear that Christ has been reduced to a bunch of symbols. And because we're wearing a cross or have one hanging in our home or, or because we happen to have one of those plastic uh, scripture or motivational bracelets around our wrists that are so popular today, we begin to think that we are pleasing God and, and we're making a big statement because I'm wearing this for God. And I know that some of those things can be good and healthy reminders to us. And and again, I'm not against them, but sometimes I worry that those symbols are the only substance that we have in our lives. And and we've replaced Jesus Christ with symbols. Did you know that the Pharisees were also into symbols? 
For example, they wore phylacteries. Phylacteries were little boxes and, and some of them would take the, they had scripture in them and they would take those boxes and strap one around their forehead. And then there was a second box that they would put around their, their, their arm, kind of like the scripture little plastic bracelets that, that are so popular today and only they, they actually would wear it up a little bit higher and, and they were so into details that they would take the cord of that phylactery and it had to be wrapped around their arm and their hand seven times because seven is the perfect number. And initially they, they started out wearing those phylacteries as good and healthy reminders of God's word and, and the one on the forehead was to make sure that God was prominent in their thought life. And the one on their arm signified that all of their activities would be God-honoring. But here's what had happened with those phylacteries. They eventually became uh, symbols and a substitute for God Himself. And, and Scripture said that their hearts were far from God. But Oh, in their minds they thought they were okay because they had a phylactery around their forehead and one on their arm. If you're into crosses and wristbands and pendants, decals on your car. That's okay. But just remember that those Christian symbols on you or around you do not make you more godly. They cannot be a substitute for the real thing, which is Jesus Christ. And sometimes I fear, you know, the cross that, that I love. It is so meaningful to us. And we think of Jesus being nailed to the cross and the crown of thorns. You know, sometimes I think that that cross has almost become a God to us. And instead of just being a reminder of what our Savior went through, realizing that this isn't the real thing, it's just a symbol, but should take our thoughts to Jesus Christ, it has become something that we begin to worship. You know, I'm reminded, uh, you know, the children of Israel, remember when the plague broke out, there had been disobedience, and so... Uh, people were dying right and left. And so Moses said, you know what? Or God actually told Moses, take a bronze, fashion a bronze serpent, put it up on this post. And, and that way people can look at this serpent and they will be healed. And, and that was in, in obedience to, to, to God's instructions. But what happened over the next 300 years is, is that that snake became a god. And, and instead of remembering that it was just a symbol, something that God had used, they began to bow down to that snake and and the Bible says that Hezekiah, finally 300 and some years later, he took that bronze snake and smashed it, smashed it to smithereens because that symbol had become a god. And I think that's one of the problems with the church today. We, we take something that's good and, and godly and wholesome and, and we make it into a tradition that many times pushes God out. And so when Jesus walked into that temple and saw how commercialized their worship had become, it angered him because God's house had become a place, again, of commerce instead of a place of worship. And so these two illustrations on that Monday after Palm Sunday serve as reminders that God wants substance more than symbols. He wants more than just a lot of activity and noise and numbers and tradition. He wants people who truly seek and worship him in truth. And on this Sunday morning, while we're enjoying the excitement of Easter season, don't forget that Mondays are coming. 
What does that mean? It means that Christ is there with his all-seeing eyes, noticing if your life has substance, noticing if your worship is hollow. He sees you like that fig tree looking good, but no fruit. He sees if you're like the money changers way into Christianity, but far from God. And as we prepare our hearts for to partake of the Lord's Supper, can we make sure that there's a genuineness about us, that we're not worshiping things, that it's not just hollow, that it's not just tradition? Can we make sure that we're truly following the risen Savior, that Jesus lives in our heart? We're going to watch a video for just a few moments here. and This is going to take the cleansing of the temple and it's going to tie it into what we would like to do here in just a couple of moments. I was there the day that Jesus walked into the temple. He just stood there at first, almost as in disbelief. And then I saw it. I saw that fire growing in his eyes. I'd come from Galilee to the place where God said he'd meet us. Did it feel like a scam? Yeah. I was never able to afford a lamb for my sacrifice, so I had to settle for one of those overpriced pigeons. As a young wife and mother, there's a word you never expect to be called. Widow. I didn't realize how safe I'd felt with my husband around until he was gone. And then it just felt like being exposed on every side with nothing in between your babies and a world of vipers. But me just me so I stood there that day in the temple and I watched as Jesus grabbed a whip and drove those businessmen out of the temple poured their money on the ground but more than that there was something about the expression on his face I recognized it He swung that whip like vipers were threatening his kids. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. (laughs) Took me three years to figure out what he meant. (laughs) Slow learner. (laughs) He wasn't talking about the building. That was a place where dishonest men put their grimy fingerprints all over God's glory. They defiled the intimate process of worshiping him. That day wasn't about destruction. It was about hope. Because now, knowing God is all about Jesus. As I think about that day back in the temple, and I remember what Jesus did and how he did it, it felt like being rescued. Life can still be brutal. 
kids' appetites are still growing. I still cry a lot. But he made a place for me to be still, where rest and trust meet right there at God's feet. And the price of that access, it's paid because of Jesus. He conquered death, and that's how I make it through life. Did you catch that? The access, the reason we can access Jesus and eternal life is, of course, through His death, resurrection. We want to partake of the Lord's Supper. We want to pray before we do, and if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, their sin, if you're pretending, if you look good on the outside, but the inside is just empty, today, why don't you say, Lord, here I come, here I am, forgive me, come into my life, forgive me for my hypocrisy. Let's remember that the price. Even though salvation is free to us, it costs the life of Jesus. And this morning as we partake, this is to be a time of peace and rest. Bow your heads, please, as we just come to Him this morning. Father, we would just ask you right now for those that don't know you, maybe those that have allowed stuff to creep into their lives. Father, I pray that you would help us to be cleansed and forgiven. Lord, I pray that this morning we would have just a sense of the price that our salvation really cost you. Father, I pray that our hearts would be so clean today. Lord, forgive us for not bearing fruit, for being like that fig tree. Forgive us for sometimes making the house of God into a place of commerce to where we do everything except for worship you. Forgive us for those times. But God, I pray that you would just help us to come to the cross, the foot of the cross right now and serve you. Lord, bless these elements. Bless the bread that signifies the body broken. Bless the juice that signifies the blood that was spilled for our sins. Lord, let us really commune with you this moment. I pray this in your name. In just a moment, we will invite you to come. At this church, we practice open communion. I know there are several of you that you aren't normally part of this church we would invite you to partake. If your heart is right with God, we invite you to come. You come if you want to kneel at the altar or take the elements back there. You can partake when you are ready, and I would just ask you to remain here in the worship center until we're all finished, and uh, we will then be dismissed. I would invite you to stand. You may come and
partake of these elements. I will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross where mercy paid for me where the wrath I deserve it is gone it has passed your blood has hidden me mercy mercy as endless as the sea I'll sing your cup and the bread we will break remembering your love we were fallen from grace but you took all our shame and nailed it to a cross mercy
will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross where mercy paid for me. Lord, again, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the fact that this is not just about feelings, but it's reality. Jesus, Jesus died for our sins, and we can have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I pray a blessing upon these people as they leave this church and go out into the real world. Lord, this is Holy Week. This is Passion Week. And I pray that just on a daily basis, our hearts and our minds would be stayed on Christ Jesus. Lord, as we invite people to come, it's not so that we can have a big crowd, but it's so that we can maybe make a difference in people's lives. Lord, just even now, I pray that our Sunday services would be so full, so packed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we pray these favors in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. May God use you this week to make a difference. Proactively make a difference. Seek people. Make a difference in their lives for good. Thank you for coming. Lord bless you. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.